He says, go, Dave, go when he has sex. (laughs) Why would anybody have sex with him more than once? The first time he did that would be the last time he did that. You think? She has two kids by him, so she fell for it twice. Hello. Hey, Maniacs. <laughs> it's Midsummer Maniacs. Midsummer Maniacs is a recap podcast dedicated to the ITV series Midsummer Murders. Each week, we dig into the episode of the show to include the murders, the mayhem, the loonies, and everything else we love, including how sick I am this week. Poor thing. I got a cold. It's not the COVID. I don't have the Rona. My sure. Yeah, I just have a cold. Speaking of the loonies, the murders, and everything else we love. Here's an update. I have two out of four designs ready to go. Excellent for the t-shirts. Yes. Excellent. I'm not going to reveal what they are. I want them to be a surprise, but I hope to have the other two done by the end of this week. Excellent. So by the time our next episode goes out, we might be able to share design, be able to point some folks at some goodies. Yep. This episode, especially, I'm going to say we need the warning off the top. <laughs> If your kids are too young to watch Midsummer Murders and all of its boobies, then they're probably too young for this podcast. Well, to be fair, we're not going to show any boobies on the podcast. No, there's no boobies on the podcast. (laughs) It would be kind of difficult. It would be. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) But there is full, uh, not full frontal, but top frontal nudity for the first time in Midsummer in this episode. And like... As casual as casual can be, which I kind of like. That they don't make a thing out of it? She's posing for a portrait. It's not, I don't feel that it's exploitative in any way. I don't either. By the time they're making out, she's got a robe on. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's fine. When I posed for my boyfriend's pictures, I was naked too. And were you cool with that? Yeah. Did you wear just a trench coat and nothing underneath it? Pretty much. Cool. That's what I wore in college all the time. Just a trench coat. (laughs) That was probably kind of tough in in Canada. (laughs) You'd be kind of chilly, wouldn't you? (laughs) Anyways. Anyhow. (laughs) We got a press release this week. Yeah. Season 22 of Midsummer is filming. So ITV's put out a press release. Yep. Good. The guest cast for the first film includes, are you ready for this? Amanda Abington from Sherlock. Okay. Mark Williams. Ooh. From Father Brown, among other things, and Mamie McCoy from Vandervolk. Nice. Yep. The series follows Barnaby and Winter, so Winter is back, mm-hmm. as they investigate an urban myth that becomes a murderous reality. Ooh. Other shows in the series. Wouldn't it be a rural myth? It's midsummer. Yeah, it is. It's not really urban, even if it's in Coston. Yeah. Is that urban? Oh, I don't know. I guess. Anyway, sorry. Other uh, topics of episodes in the series 22 include a post-operative heart rehabilitation club whose members' dreams of second chances are cut short. Okay. A murder mystery weekend, a twisted scarecrow festival, hey. and an amateur dramatics company with deadly secrets. Nice. Those sound good, except the heart one. I'm not so sure about that one. But the scary scarecrows, I'm all over that. 
There will be, in Series 22, six feature-length episodes. Rock and roll. Yep. So that means that our uh, total of episodes goes up to 132 after this series. Well, much luck to the cast and crew that they stay safe and they're able to complete the filming because just this morning on the news, I heard that... um, they're locking down in the UK again because of an uptick in COVID. So I, I hope that they get that in hand and everybody's okay. Yep. And they can keep going. Uh, so that makes the halfway point now 66. That's when we will be halfway, halfway. through all of the episodes. And we will, uh, if, you're, if you're a longtime listener, you know we did mini episodes around this time last year mm-hmm. for the four episodes in season 21 which we'll expand into maxi episodes. Yeah, we'll definitely cover them again. Um, and also 81 is the last Tom and Joyce episode. So we're 21 episodes away. Which places about six months left of Tom. Wow. Time flies. This episode, Shot at Dawn, season 11, episode one. Our episode 60. Filmed in July and August of 2000, broadcast the 1st of January 2008, 6.88 million viewers, directed by Richard Holthouse, who directed a whole bunch of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I forget who wrote this, because it's not Michael Aikens. (laughs) Because I have the wrong note for that. (laughs) Okay, we open France, 1960. July. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. There's a lot of petro- pyrotechnics in this episode. There are a lot of small explosions. And then the big one with the car. Yes. Slow-mo explosion. Yeah. So it's World War One, and this is the beginning of the feud between the Hicks and the Hammonds, right? Yep. This whole episode is about two feuding families, and that, that feud starts in World War One where Hicks is accused of cowardice. Yes. And Hammond is a, I think he's a lieutenant. Something. Something like that, maybe sergeant. Um, And he's charged with executing Hicks. And for some reason, the firing squad misses him completely. Yeah. And Hammond shoots him in the head. Yeah. Later on, we find out they may have been half-brothers. They were likely half-brothers. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Do you also think they might have been the gay? Um, no. Okay. I think you might get that impression because they talk about somebody, Biddy talks about somebody being sensitive. Yes. One of the, I think Dougie, the guy who shot Hicks. Yes. Being sensitive. But I think that was more shell shock than anything or more like he was sensitive after having to execute somebody. That's definitely where I got it. Biddy, the most aptly named character ever. She's so witchy and awesome. She's Biddy. She's a Biddy whose name is Biddy. (laughs) So I wondered whether, because I've, I've seen a, a lot of um, cowardice executions in military stories. It's kind of like a trope that I, I would like, you know, how often did that really happen? In all of World War I, in, in the UK forces, just in the British Army, yeah. 304 men were executed. Wow. That's between 1914 and 1918. Wow. Yeah. So that's like five years. Yeah. 60 a year, something mm. like that. What what amazed me is that 18 of them were executed after armistice. Okay, peace has been named. I know. What, why? Like when they sign the treaty and the war is over, you can still execute people for cowardice? Wow. I would think, let's forgive them. That's kind Let of them brutal. Go home. Yeah, that's super brutal. 
Way to go, Britain. I wasn't able to find out if other forces did the same thing, but I was really surprised by that. That seems really weird to me. Yeah, there were over 200 for desertion, about 20 for cowardice, uh, 19 for murder. Oh, so uh, it's okay to murder Germans, but not... Not each other. Not each other. Well, and that's fair. Okay. Four for striking a superior officer, two for casting away their arms, three for mutiny, and two for sleeping on the, their post. Ooh, not good. No. I just couldn't believe 18 after armistice. That's, that was shocking. I didn't uh, know that. Uh, but they did sit down. I wasn't sure about the whole sitting down and being tied to a chair, but that's exactly how they did how it. they did? Yep. Sitting down. So maybe they caught him across the chest and the gut, and that's why he didn't die. And We just didn't see that? Yeah. So which Hammond is it? It's... Dougie. Dougie. Yes. Thomas Hicks and Dougie Hammond. Yes. Who is Henry's father. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which he looks really young, but apparently he had already fathered Lionel. Yeah, apparently. Before he went to the war. Yeah. And then he pukes. So ends. Which, which would make Lionel like a hundred years old. Yes. <laughs> right? It, it would. <laughs> it, even if he was born like the day before 1916. Yeah. This is filmed in what year? This is filmed in 2007. Okay. So he'd be 90. Yeah. 89, 90. He looks that old. I don't think the actor's that old. No, but, but the character is supposed yeah. to be that old. I can buy that. So begins the big kerfluffle between the Hammonds and the Hicks that continues until this day. At the epitaph. Yes, at the memorial. So epitaphs are not a thing in the States. An like, epitaph is a, it's a statement, not a thing. No, we call them epitaphs. We call them memorials. Yeah, like I remember, like... I was in the a memorial boy, would have an epitaph engraved on it. I was going, I was in the Boy Scouts, so I had to go to stuff on Remembrance Day every year. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just not done here as much. No. Simply not done. Maybe in Washington, D.C. Maybe. The big graveyard. And we are introduced to the mayor, Dave Hicks. Who we will see again. Yes. This is the first appearance of the mayor. The next time he'll be off to Brighton. No, I think we see him before then. Nope. See him again in the Sword of Ghislaine. That's it? Yep. That's it. And he has some finery on. He has his livery. Yes. His livery of office, which goes way back to like the 1300s. So depending on how wealthy the city is that you are a mayor of in the UK, you may have a robe, a chain, a mace, and a hat. So in Canada, the mayor I only saw with, with the chain. Our mayor has no chain. No. No hat, no mace, his no uncle, robe. His uncle lives down the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I did find um, disused UK mayoral chains on eBay for about 650 bucks. Wow. So if you want to buy one. I bet you, like, the thing is, it's one of those situations where I would love to hear the story of all the different mayors who have wore that livery in shows. Because that livery is probably gotten from a props department. Right. And so hundreds of mayors. Well, and in reality, there's been a lot of kerfluffles about mayoral livery because those chains are really expensive, right? They are a lot of money for, for a city to buy. And in most cases, they already exist. Somebody in the past commissioned them and was probably a wealthy person who commissioned them. And they were like the biggest landowner. So they got to be mayor and they bought it for themselves. And then it gets passed on. Yeah. I saw one news story 
about a mayoral chain that suddenly had fewer links in it. They hmm. were selling the links? Mm-hmm. So what are the links made? Is gold. It, uh, they may be gold-plated silver, but they're still valuable. Damn. And some in some places, there's also like evening versions of them that look much more like jewelry, like a choker with like a... The big pendant is like closer to your neck. Oh, really? And the mayoress, the, well, a mayoress would be a female mayor. If the mayor is male, his wife may also have her own regalia for formal occasions. Well, Judy needs some help. That would be, it's expensive stuff. Yeah. Judy needs no more jewelry. No. Let's just say that. His wife does not need anything jewelry-wise. There's a band. There's the Hicks. There's the Hammonds. Why are Joyce and, Bar- and Barnaby here? I'm guessing it's one of those policing in the community duties that he's been tasked with. He really doesn't need to be here. No. Why are they the Midsummer Yeomanry? Don't know. Because the, it, the town is... Midsummer Meadow? Yeah. Midsummer Parva. Sorry. Yeah. But they're called the Yeomanry. I think that's yeah. because they were... A regiment that came from the countryside. I guess. Like a farming regiment. And along with the people here are Mrs. Hammond, Samantha Bond, <laughs> who just is so fantastic. We've already seen her in episode. Destroying Angel, and we'll see her again in Death in the Slow Lane. But the, Bella Hammond. This is my favorite Samantha Bond. She is a combination of frail, sad, drugged, mean, mean, and manipulative. Yep. I, I never know from one scene to another whether she's faking being flighty or whether she's actually doped herself up to the gills or whether it's just convenient not to notice. And we've seen other characters who are different in different scenes, but I buy it in every scene. Oh, yeah, definitely. She's in. Yes, yes. And her husband is, is Johnny Hammond, who is a son of Colonel Henry Hammond, who yes. may as well be Mr. Toad. Yes. Donald Sendon, who plays Henry Hammond, is so much like Mr. Toad, but he's great. He's fit. Everyone in I this episode. I believe that he is an absolute ass, that he's an old curmudgeon, and that he's been nothing but pain to his son his entire life. Everyone in this episode is good. Yes. Right down to Will. Is good. Yeah. And Johnny Hammond, his son, who's leading this um, uh, reenactment regiment, he's played by Malcolm Sinclair, and he's also in two other Midsummers, one before this and one after. He's in Beyond the Grave. Where he plays the guy who runs the museum. Yeah, Alan Bradford. Yeah. And then later he will be in Saints and Sinners, where he plays a reverend. He's fantastic. I like him a lot. He's really good. So... He's gay, but married to Bella because that's the family duty that he had, right? He's got to get married and carry on the line. Yep. Everybody kind of understands that that's the situation. It's not spoken of, but that's, that's it. So it's a marriage of convenience and family responsibility. And they hate each other. I don't think they hate each other. They just live. A f- no, no. Sorry. The families hate each other. Oh, yes. Yeah. But Bella and Johnny don't hate each other. And then on the Hicks side... There's Lionel, who's the oldest. Yeah. And he's having relations with Biddy. Yeah. I'm only with her for the sex. I'm only with her for the sex. <laughs> and I love that he's about to tell Barnaby more, and he's like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> and his son is Dave Hicks. Yeah. And he's 
That's the mayor, and she's he's married to Judy Higgs. There really should be a generation between Lionel and Dave. I would agree. Because Lionel is at least 80, and Dave is what, maybe 50? Yeah. So there would be a generation between them, maybe. And they have two sons. Yeah, Danny and Will. Yes. So Will, have, who's good, and Danny, who's rubbish. We have these two family trees, and as before, you get two feuding families with family trees... You're going to have a Romeo and Juliet situation. Well, and they're not nearly as opposed to one another as they appear to be. Yes. Right. So Dave and Bella have been having an affair for 25 years. 25. They've been having occasional barnyard sex, apparently. Occasional barnyard sex. (laughs) (laughs) But Will and Sophie, Will who's a Hicks and Sophie who's a Hammond are actually in love. And she's the one who gets painted in the nude. In the nude. And he's the painter. Yes. And if that's supposed to be his work around the place it's actually quite good yep must be nice to be the mayor's son have your own studio and the mayor has a huge house yeah he does because he runs a cowboy construction outfit but he's got no room in his car for dad it felt so bad for him okay lionel is the killer and when he see when i see him his son not take him in the car i'm like you should have killed everybody you should have killed <laughs> all of them <laughs> You're always looking for like the inciting incident, the thing that pushes the killer over the edge. That should have been Lionel's and he should have killed Dave, not, not the Hammond. I'm kind of okay if he had killed everybody. <laughs> Me and Betty are just going to have barnyard sex. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Done with all of them. So I have a problem. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of signs for this event that's coming up. Right, the big reenactment of the battle. Yes. Where all of these Midsummer soldiers were killed. It says, celebrating 200 years of Midsummer yeomanry. That's wrong. If they're celebrating World War I, it's only 100 years before. Mm-hmm. So what's the war that would have been 100 years before that? The War of 1812. Worse then? I guess. I don't know. They don't mention it. When they list off all the battles... When he's going through the pictures, none of them are World War, uh, are War of 1812 battles. Yeah, because, of course, Henry's entire life is devoted to the military. So the the one place we see most in the Hammond house is that front hall that has the military uniform and the drum and then all of the paintings, right, of each generation's man of honor. In addition to the signs of the reenactment, there are also the following signs. Okay. Jocko has been lost. Oh, no. He is a Burmese pedigree. There's a reward. Is that a dog or a cat? It's a kitty. There's a picture. Poor Jocko. Poor Jocko. Uh, Also a sign that says, welcome to the Midsummer Newton Museum. Because Barnaby and Troy are at the Midsound, uh, the Coston Town Hall. Okay. That's where they are. And then we learn that the mayor is a roofer. The Midsummer Newton Museum isn't the museum that Johnny is... The curator of in Beyond the Grave, is it? No, okay. that's another museum. Because that would have been an interesting little nod, wouldn't it? <laughs> this guy looks like you. Joyce is not happy. She says a birdie dirt, apparently. Yeah, Tom comes home and she's mopping because their entire kitchen is being flooded by rain. The rain. There's rain, by the way. It's raining. It's rain. sunny, but it's raining. Rainy rain town. The rain is coming down. Through their inset lights in the ceiling, yep. onto the floor in the kitchen, and she's mopping it really ineffectively. And according to the subtitles, 
She says the F word. She doesn't, but... I don't think she does. I don't know what she says, but I don't think it's the F word. Though, I wouldn't blame her if she did. We've had water come through a light fixture before, and I said the F word. (laughs) I said a lot of F words that day. (laughs) So then there's an interspatial thing of that that it's raining and they're kind of doing their hobby army thing. Mm Mm-hmm. And Mickey, the character most like my brother, Mickey ever, Ryan, is giving a Mickey to the Colonel. Did yes. you notice it's between him and Biddy? This is the episode of nominal determinism. Yes, Mickey's <laughs> giving the Mickey, and Biddy is a Biddy. Yeah, the the whole regiment practice, especially since Johnny wasn't in the military at all. Yeah. Now Mickey was, but he was dishonorably discharged because he stole things. Yes. And yet he's willing to be a military reenactor. I wonder what those wool uniforms do when they get wet. Stink. Stink. And weigh a lot. Yeah. Barnaby thinks everybody's crooks. Not really a good uh, way to be if you're a policeman. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Henry calls Johnny and the the Mickey regiment. He calls them spints. Yeah. Did you ever heard that before? No. Later, he calls somebody an oik. I'd heard oik. oik. Yeah, I'd heard oik. But I hadn't heard spint. And it means like jerk, asshole, something like that. Yeah. But only because it's actually slang for sperm. Oh, well. (laughs) Quite a bit of sperm in this episode. I was like, well, so that's a term, I suppose. Um, I won't be using that piece of slang anytime soon. Nope. But that's okay. So they bring Henry in to the house and he re- he goes over all these battles. Right. The Somme, Blenheim, mm-hmm. which is also First World War, I think. Malplaquette, Roque's Drift, and then Malaya. Which one is the uniform from? Malaya. The red uniform? Yeah, I think so. Ah. And basically, uh, Johnny goes, you suck, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> and Bella is out of it. Oh. La, 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 la. I'm going to the pub in my wheelchair. I just spent the whole beginning of this episode waiting for the bread jousting. Yeah. I just wanted to get to the bread jousting. Gonna happen. Sophie's posing for Will in the nude. I can't believe she goes all the way there in just a trench coat and nothing else. Okay. That's a little risky, don't you think? It's a little risky, but before that, we have a problem at the mayor's house. Okay. He has two pools. Yeah. What kind of freak in England, first of all, not known as a place that has pools? It, it's, it's not usually warm enough to really enjoy yeah. an outdoor pool. We've seen maybe two pools. Mm-hmm. He has an indoor pool, and he gets out of his indoor pool to go out to sit by the outdoor pool. Just to rub it in. Just to rub it in. Just to say, neener, neener, I have a pool. No, I have two. But Judy knows what's going on. I love Judy. Judy knows that <laughs> Dave is having a ding-dong. With some scrumpet. She doesn't want to be there. She's a Costin girl. Yep. She doesn't want to be out there in the countryside with him. I'm a townie. I'm like, you live in freaking town. <laughs> you mean you're a villagey because like yeah. it's it's not the big city that you're from, Costin, but you know, where the nightlight goes all night. All night. Right? Yep. We know about that. Back to the house and Bella, I think, takes six pills in this. <laughs> she just brings her little box. <laughs> and she just Picks and chooses. It's not like she's got like a day of the week pillbox where she's taking the medication that's due. She's just like, (laughs) 
Um, I'll have one of those and two of those and this gigantic glass of wine. And if you notice, Kate, who is the younger daughter, the younger daughter does a really good at acting job there because every every time she takes a pill, she's like, she looks at her out of the corner of her eye. Like, <laughs> Another one, really? Yep. Okay. But Kate wants more money. This show makes you want to not like Kate, but I like Kate so much. What is she shipping that she needs more money to cover the costs of? I don't know. Because <laughs> shipping costs have gone through the roof, apparently. Lesbian things. Oh, okay. It's gay she, shipping. She plays for the other team. The other side. <laughs> Mickey. I love Mickey. I love everybody in this episode. Uh, yeah, but you kind of cheer when she hits him in the crotch with her stick. Oh, you do. You do. Because he deserves it. Yep. Okay, now can we talk about the jousting and the yeah. crumb scampi? Yes. And the lacquered horse brasses. They're lacquered. They're not polished. <laughs> that was a little grumpiness on Barnaby's part, wasn't it? Boy, did he ever get grump. <laughs> Has evolution passed you by? <laughs> wow, Barnaby. <laughs> I, just, I just love this scene because Henry and Lionel are dead serious jousting with this bread this is not for fun they're not laughing while they do it no, they're super serious and so i do a a picture for every episode that reminds people to listen to the episode mm -hmm. and then i do use the same picture to do the release of the episode right usually i try to find pictures that are not uh that are big so they high resolution but also are not specifically from the episode and are not Barnaby or the, any they're not the, from the recurring cast. They're yeah. from the special characters. Yeah. But this episode is a great behind the picture I used for this episode is this great behind the scenes picture of the two of them laughing together. They're like sitting beside each other, like whispering to each other, Yeah. obviously like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you wait till we get to our horrible movie segment. Yeah. Because those two have been around. Oh, they have been. Donald Sinlin, who plays uh, Henry Hammond, and George Cole, who plays Lionel Hicks. They, they've, they've been in some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have. <laughs> they probably know everybody. I, I like how their wheelchairs are representative of their status. Yes. Because Mickey has to, push Hen, uh, has to push Lionel. Right. Henry has this beautiful, automated, mechanized wheelchair that he can zoom around in. But Lionel, even though his dad, his son is super wealthy, is still in a run-of-the-mill push-yourself wheelchair. Parlez-vous. Which just makes me want to slap Dave Hicks again. Oh, I know. Not only does he not let him ride in the car, but he doesn't even buy him a nice wheelchair. Well, we of course, he's not really disabled. He can yeah. get up and walk anytime he wants, so it doesn't really matter. We find out that... That's probably why you won't buy him a nice wheelchair, because he yep. doesn't really need it. So Romeo and Juliet get engaged. It's all beautiful. And there is jousting with French bread. So I wondered if there was history of people jousting with th things other than lances. Okay. Because traditional jousting, right? Is with a lance. Knights on horseback with lances. Just either metal or those practice lances that fall apart that are made of like bamboo or something. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> the people joust with some stuff. Okay. First of all, there are like 40 videos on YouTube of bread jousting. Excellent. So either they inspired it or... It was it was in the zeitgeist. Everybody was thinking, I want to joust with bread. Well, it's not a it's not a big leap. Baguette jousting. Yeah. Because they look like lances. 
Yeah. Okay. I'll go with that. Okay. The one I was more impressed with, though, was bicycle jousting. Bicycle jousting. Okay. Yeah. And they're not regular bikes. So back at the turn of the century, when London was still gaslit, to go and light the lamps every night was a pain, right? Yeah. So these lamp lighters would carry ladders and they would have to go from one lamp to the next and set up their ladder and climb up. And, da, 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 da. and if, they, if they rode horses, they would be kind of at the right height, but horses are messy and they'd have to ride them on the sidewalk. Yeah. So that wasn't okay. So they developed these bicycles. They're called high bikes. So if you imagine a regular bicycle and then kind of like triple the height of the frame. So oh. the wheels are the same size, but the seat is that much higher. So not a penny farthing but like a bike on stilts. Okay. They rode these bikes between the lampposts. Okay. And now people ride those bikes and joust. That just sounds like an accident waiting to happen. Oh, absolutely. But it's amazing. I can only... I fell into a hole watching one joust match after another because it's just <laughs> fantastic. They need like three to... people to help them get on the bike. And then once they're on the bike, they're just going. They don't have brakes. We'll have to put some videos in the show notes. I that. gave you a link so you can do that Excellent. because the fact that they are bikes that are 10 feet off the ground and have no brakes, that's where the mayhem begins. I, I don't want to try it. So then we're at the cop shop again, and I have a question. Mm -hmm. My question is this, and this will be a reoccurring question. What does the mayor do? Goes around trying to um, sway people with his political power to do what he wants. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But why is he at the cop shop? He comes over and talks to Barnaby. He's there to invite Barnaby's boss or his boss's boss to come to the reenactment that he's sponsored. But he couldn't they give him say, a call? No, Tom has to do it. Couldn't give him a call? Guess not. Got a nice coat. He does. The mayor is a snazzy dresser. His wife? Not so much. Not so much. <laughs> so now Tom and Jones have to go to the reenactment. They've been told that they have to go okay the reenactment and of course joyce is involved well of course she is she's just a, as a nurse she's a nurse so this is a world war one reenactment it's on the hammond estate mm -hmm. right and they're reenacting both air and land battles from world war one before and you get to that okay we see joyce in the nurse's outfit yes and she's dressing a wound and yeah. she's got a safety pin yeah. to pin it together. And I was like, hey, wait a minute. Safety pins invented then. I don't know. Were they? Yeah. They were invented in 1849. Wow. And they really haven't changed. They look exactly the same now as so they, they did then. they used them in Civil War and Crimean War, probably. Yeah. I didn't know that. American Civil War. Sorry. Anyway. Not British Civil War. So, I'm not that stupid. No. So, so, so Joyce's safety pin is, is period. It's accurate. Oh. Okay, now, here's your rant. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> I know you're going to do it. <laughs> Guys, Mark has been pissed off about something in this episode since, like, last week. He's been going on about this. And I've been saying, hold it for the episode. Just save it for the episode. So here it is. Johnny says, well, Johnny's the host. Right. He's up on the mic. And so there are, there's a reenactment of a World War I air battle. Dogfight, yeah. The most famous World War I air battle is between Baron von Richthofer, who is the Red Baron. And Snoopy. And Snoopy. <laughs> no, not Snoopy. And a gentleman by the name of Roy Brown. 
Now, it's not the problem I have with Roy Brown. And Johnny says that it's Roy Brown and the Red Baron. Johnny says it's Roy Brown. And Roy shoots the Red Baron down, historically, right? He defeated the Red Baron? Uh, Mostly, we think so. Okay. It could have been... Uh, machine gun fire from the land. We're just not really Could have been sure. a combo, but he was the plane who was, was in the air with him when he was, went down. It was war. Yeah, messy. The problem I have, he says, our Roy Brown. Okay. Because Roy Brown was born in Carlton Place, Ontario, where I went to high school. Where you were born to. No, where you I, grew up. I, I grew up there. Your, your family lives there. I went there. to school there. My mother lives in Carlton Place. The house in which he was born still is there. Mm -hmm. In fact, I dated a girl who lived in that house. (laughs) I learned that this week. (laughs) What, were you on the internet ranting about this? No, no, no. (laughs) There is a giant mural of Roy Brown and the Red Baron Mm -hmm. in town. So he is not our Roy (laughs) Brown. He did, he did fly for the RAF, right? Yes, because we were all slaves to the Empire <laughs> still in World War I. And so they, we joined the RAF. So he was theirs. We didn't really have a Canadian Air Force because we were barely a country. Yeah. So. But when he says our Roy Brown, he's saying the RAF's Roy Brown, and that is theirs. Uh, I know you're bitter about that. He should Roy. say Canada's Roy Brown. <laughs> Or at least our Roy Brown, who hailed from Canada. At least. Something who came from Mark Bell's place of birth. I'll put a picture of the mural in the show. It's big. Yep. You can't miss it when you go to Carlton Place. Nope. Okay. Do you feel better now? A a little bit. Okay. You'll probably still rant about it later, but. I will. Arabella's got this dress on, right? Yeah. she's, She's in full cosplay. Oh, yeah. This big kind of purple bustle. That dress is about 20 years too early for this time. Really? It's like an 1890s to 1900 get up. By the time World War I started, women were not wearing that anymore. I didn't think so. It felt out of time. They looked far closer to what you imagine 1920s women looked like oh. than turn of the century women look like. So she shows up as Lady of the Manor wearing an outfit that is 20 years old. Oh. <laughs> you, you go, oh, like... I just, oh, Bella, I can't believe you would do that. Just like. I think it's purposeful. Unacceptable. I think it's purposeful that she doesn't even know what date it is. Well, she didn't have the big bustle. Henry's hand couldn't go into her butt crack without people noticing. Oh, Does that gross you out or God. what? The, He's groping her and she's just ignoring it. Like it's not yeah. happening. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that happens at the reenactment that is true, though. Uh-huh. When you turn up the volume on a microphone, it makes that sound. <laughs> the ee- and Lionel turns up the volume and it makes that sound. I'm like, yes, that's how it actually works. Because Lionel's over there playing a reel-to-reel tape yes. for the battle sounds. There are many things wrong with that audio thing. Of all the people that press the buttons, why do they make him do it? He I shouldn't don't... have to do it. He shouldn't have to do anything. No. And why is Mickey in charge of the sound? I don't know. Mickey's a sound guy, I guess. I guess. As, as a guy who gets occasionally known as the sound guy, you, you get into weird situations. Well, but later we hear about Mickey driving around and that Lionel rides around with him. What is he driving around doing? What's the job? Uh, he's like 
Does he work for Hicks? Plumbing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think he works for I Hicks. I think he's like a handyman. Yeah. So he's not a sound guy. But he does have fantastic pink socks. <laughs> I want to like him so much. Yeah. But it's hard. It is. So earlier there was a scene where Danny Hicks and his dad, the mayor, are in their games parlor or whatever they call that room where they have foosball and a tiny pool table. Yeah. And they're talking about this codicil to Grandpa Hammond's will. Yep. That would have left 30 acres of land to the Hicks. Yep. Because Dougie felt bad that he had executed Hicks yep. during the war. And so he left the, the Hicks family all this land. And the mayor has just heard about it. Judy has a very secret tape recorder. It's like the size of a briefcase. Um, I have all the local women on camera <laughs> and she records it all. And then Dave and uh, Danny go walking out of the room. Yeah. And when they did, I was like, what does Danny have? on?" He has on some jeans and it looks like there's mud all over his butt. Yeah. Let's go. Let's say nicely. mud. it looked. Yeah. And it's like, Kind of right on the center seam between the pockets like, on the backside. Does Danny have a problem? Like maybe incontinence issue. Got a poop problem. I don't know. And I let it go, right? I just let it go. Yep. But then later at the reenactment, when he comes across Will and Sophie making out, and he's all drunk, he says, you'll keep, you'll keep. What does that mean? You'll keep. <laughs> like, what I'll, does that mean? Like, I'll, I'll get at you later. I guess that's what he means. Like, he's the worst guy at giving threats ever. You, you won't be rotten later. You no, nope. much you, like milk, you'll keep your shelf stable. <laughs> <laughs> You're hom homogenized or so. Anyway, so he goes stumbling off to the bathroom, and luck would have it, he has on the same damn jeans. Yep, with the muddy butt. Yes. Like, wait a minute. Does he fall down in this scene and get mud on his butt? And then they shot the scene at the mayor's house in the same jeans. What's going on with these jeans? Why does he have a muddy butt? I don't know. Well, I know. Why? He has a muddy butt because the jeans he's wearing are Barracuda straight leg jeans. Okay. $450 jeans. Jesus. That come with some sort of fake mud substance caked all over them. Yes. Yes. You're making the face at me. Yes. They're real. You can wow. Google them. Barracuda jeans. They're known for having fake mud on them. So they look like you've been working, but you haven't been. We got to put that in the show notes, too. You've been paying 500 bucks for jeans. Yeah. Well, and I just happen to have a freeze frame of Danny's butt from both scenes. So you can compare and see that yep. the butt stains are the same. Yes. It just goes to show Will, not Will, but Danny is a bigger ponce than you think he is, that he would spend his money on pre-muddied jeans. Yes. Doesn't wash out when you wash them because it's not real mud. It's like some kind of fake mud. But apparently it makes them quite stiff. They're poop jeans. <laughs> poop pants. So he's a bigger oik than you think he is. So in the tent, Kate sings a song. Mm -hmm. And I love this. She sings the galloping. The galloping major. Yeah. She's got a great voice. It's a song from the First World War. She has a great voice. Not a lot of stage presence. It is the gayest song ever. <laughs> and I love it. 
The audience is ob- obviously familiar with it because they're like singing along Everybody with it. Everybody knows the song. Yeah. Uh, um, Mickey tries to get it on with her and she kicks him in the, uh, she hits him in the balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that scene, I could watch it over and over and over. And he deserves it. Yep. Absolutely, Absolutely. deserves it. Then uh, Henry gropes his daughter-in-law and I get sick. <laughs> That's okay. Because when they're out on the back patio, having a little scotch before bedtime, she ditches him. And it's clear that there is not only one step, but a big wide door frame into the house that he's got to somehow get over in his wheelchair. I don't know how he does that. Well, it's, he's not going to get back inside. So it's just as well. They kidnap him. Why did you marry dad? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Huh? Who's dad? What are you talking about? Clearly. As queer as a coot. Yes. <laughs> Says the lesbian. So she can say whatever she, she wants. She can say that. <laughs> well, he knew his familial duty, so he did what he had to do. 30 minutes in, by the way. Yeah. Nobody's dead. But it's okay, yeah. because in about two minutes, we get robo-dead guy. So, you know, it's okay. It makes up for it. In the greatest moment of poor timing, the squatties. The hobby squatties. <laughs> hobby squatties. <laughs> I just called them yabos in my notes. <laughs> pretend to kidnap Henry. And execute him. And pretend to execute him. It's all fake. Everybody knows that it's blanks. And he's not remotely scared. Henry does a great job of playing dead. Yeah. And then laughs and at then them. <laughs> maniacally. And then out of nowhere, somebody actually walks out of the bushes and shoots him. Mm-hmm. And runs him into the Costin milk truck. When he's coming down that hill in that electric wheelchair. Yep. And you know he's dead. Yep. It's just awesome. I got to (laughs) say that Donald Sinden, who plays him. Plays Henry. It's the best dead body we may have seen from an actor. The fact that he drives a wheelchair dead. I mean, come on. How many others do that? He is just fantastic. (laughs) And the poor milkman. He's like, he swerved right into me. Like, oh, I doubt he did that. Half of his head was blown off, George says. Like, no, he has a tiny bullet wound. (laughs) No, no. In his head. Half his head was blown off. Yeah. uh, No, no, not really. I'm just going to say right now, just to... Put it out there because otherwise I would just say it again later. All the remote controlled stuff in this is utter bull. Oh, it, it d- wouldn't it can't work. work like that. No, 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 no. We've no. said it. We got it out of the way. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. We're just going to have to pretend that it does. And that Lionel, who's 90, would know enough about modern electronics to do it. Just going to let it go. I'm also glad they immediately are like, okay, Mickey didn't do this because it would be the worst way to plan a murder ever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to shoot him and then we're going to drive him around in his wheelchair and freak people out. It would only be better if it was like uh, the wheelchair was like driving past the pub in town, you know, and he was like dead and swerving into people and running them over. (laughs) Poor milkman. He's traumatized. Yeah. And we go to the mayor's house and boy, does she have a dress on? Is this the blue outfit? Yes. Oh, it's like a lacy blue sweater over a lacy blue shirt over a lacy blue skirt with black lacy tights. And then just every piece of jewelry you can find, put it on. Yeah. And they all cover for each other 
But then Barnaby leaves and Judy's like, I am not covering for you anymore. Yeah. Where were you? Yeah. Well, and but she gets her own, right? Because while she's giving them alibis, she also humiliates them. Yes. Well, Dave snores because he eats cheese. Yes. <laughs> and I know that um, that that Danny was home because I tucked him in. Yeah. She hates everyone. He's like, in that Mom. <laughs> so then we How go. How does cheese make you snore? <laughs> it would have been better if she said, oh, he farts so much in his sleep. It's because of the cheese. We go from the mayor's crazy house to mansion of Munster crazy. <laughs> so Barnaby mentions the Munsters here. <laughs> Bella is, she can't even get away from the coffin. Oh, weeping. How the actor Donald Sinden could not laugh. I know. He lays there still. And he is rock solid. And she's like laying over him. And Johnny says, my wife has emotional problems. <laughs> like understatement of the century. He is the greatest actor in this episode because of that one scene. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Mickey in the interrogation is great because Tom says, you and all your moron friends but you're not as dumb as they are. And he goes, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm that dumb. It's, I'm a moron, too. I didn't do it. Uh, my dad's dead, so now I can wear a pretty pink sweater. <laughs> hey, you know what? He can do whatever he wants. He absolutely he had can. to live with that man his whole life. Yeah. He was horrible. Maybe you should read a bit more. And then we find out that Lionel and Biddy are more than friends. Yep. He says, uh, don't listen to Biddy. She tells cobblers. Cobblers. And you know what cobblers mean. Yeah, it's lies. Yeah, but it's... Tall tales. Cockney rhyming, rhyming slang, slang, right? But do you know what it rhymes with? Wobblers. No. Stoblers. Dobblers. See, that's what you try to think of when you think of Cockney rhyming slang. You think, oh, well, what does that, that word rhyme with? But it's always a phrase that now the rhyming word is gone. So yeah. the thing that rhymes with lies is gone. Yeah. And it's the other word that stuck around. Yeah. And so it's really hard to connect. So I've, I've wondered this before. So I just decided to finally look it up. It's weirder than I thought. Okay. Maybe some of our listeners know, right? So if you say something's a load of old cobblers. Uh, it's a lie, right? It's nonsense or a lie. So it's derived from slang for balls, as in testicles. Okay. Which the rhyming slang, so the slang for testicles became cobbler's alls, okay? Then alls goes away, and we're just left with cobbler's. So that's Actually, like... Actually, cobbler's is slang for balls. So that's like a load of bollocks. Yes. But not... Dog's bollocks. Because that would make it good. Because dog's bollocks is good. Yeah. And it's only from the 60s. Oh. It's not like, were there any cobblers around in the 60s? Jones puts his foot in it, man. <laughs> what man were you with? And then when he interviews Sophie. What, was it a man? Was it a man? Oh, you, oh you've talked to my sister. Yeah. <laughs> I feel sorry for him because he does put his foot in his mouth, but he doesn't mean to. He's trying his best. I really hope I'm not marrying into a family of murderers. <laughs> That's the least you got to worry about. Yeah. Then there's the weird scene of Johnny at the gym with the mayor and they touch each other. Yeah. I was rubbing you up the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> 
What? What? <laughs> what? Does the mayor not go to work? <laughs> Leave Johnny alone. Leave Johnny alone. <laughs> and Biddy won't let the doctor in the house. I tried to find reference to that. I'm sure there are country doctors who put up with all kinds of eccentricities from I, older people in I, their communities. I tried to find some sort of superstition about not letting the doctor in the house or anything like that. But <laughs> Well, she'll let a policeman in the house so long as he doesn't steal anything. You mean like one of your cats? He does steal something, though. The cats who are walking around on the clean dishes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. She's more with it than she pretends, like, like Bella is. But she's still fantastic. They must have just um, auditioned a bunch of elderly actresses and said, do a witch cackle. No, no, you're not good enough. Do you do a witch cackle? No, 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 that's not good enough. And then Biddy uh, Dixon, who's played by Marsha Ashton, comes along and goes, <laughs> whatever she does. I can't even do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yep. It's you. You got the part. You're it. <laughs> what is George talking about? The circle of life. <laughs> he doesn't make any sense in most of this episode. He apparently has seen a completely different head than Henry's actual head. I don't know what he's been looking at, but it's half blown off. And then he's like, circle of life. And then Tom is responsible for investigating the remote control wheelchair. Like, because he's a robotics expert. What is he doing in the garage like he's got a manual uh, is it like the manual to investigating remote controlled wheelchairs that aren't wheelchairs no i don't know i don't know why he's out there he's like the least electronically mechanical guy we have no reason to think that he knows about that kind of stuff or is even interested i have in my notes the following what the hell is Tom doing in the auto lab, especially when Jones is shown in a previous episode being well known in the auto lab? Yeah. Well, he knows about cars. This is a wheelchair, Mark. Oh, it's different. <laughs> and you know how we know it's remote controlled? It's got a little cell phone antenna on it. It does. That's all you need. You just stick that in whatever, and that makes it remote controlled. Did you know that? So Bella has a love nest. Yes. And you have to drive to this love nest. Yes, I think it's in Coston. How does Bella get to this love nest? She's too drunk or dope to drive at any moment. Sweet Jesus. And we find out at this love nest. Pure she's, farmyard. She's been having pure farmyard. For 25 years, they've yep. been having this thing. Yep. She posts a letter. Lady Macbeth posts the letter. He, Dave is like, oh, well, I thought at some point you'd get rid of Johnny. And she laughs at him. Oh my gosh, does she put him down? The reason why we are I better than you. The reason why I love this episode is you feel sorry for Dave. Just then. for a second. Just minutely. He is the worst person in the episode. And you're like, oh, Dave, you really loved her. You don't think that Lionel's the worst person oh, in the episode? Okay, Lionel is <laughs> the worst. You know, the killer. <laughs> Settling scores that are hundreds of years old. <laughs> We're back at the at the uh, at the memorial. Yeah, and now we get the remote control car. Yes. Where does Lionel get that car? Uh, he steals it from the kids earlier. Oh, okay, okay. In the scene that got cut, where George explains the circle of life. Okay, and he gets the ex explosive, the plastique, P-E-T-N, which I'll talk about in a second. Yeah. But he gets that from the armory from the reenactors. 
Yes. Because they need explosives. To do the to do the pyro at the thing. They would not have used well, I, plastique for that. I have a, I admit that. They would not have used Simtex to make dirt blow up. So what this is, is a fake attempt on Lionel's life. Yeah, because he's got the remote hidden under his blankie. Yes. And Mickey's too dumb to notice him pushing the buttons. Yes. <laughs> Let's call it what it is. Let's call it what it is. Mickey's too stupid to realize what's going on here. But not too stupid to not throw the car right at the mayor's car before it explodes. That's fantastic. So Lionel does get back at Dave, his son, who's a jerk to him. He blows up his jack. <laughs> Wait a minute. I need to know this. Mm-hmm. The mayor is the mayor of what? Is he the mayor of Coston? No, because he's all the time in Midsummer Parva. Well, but he might be in the other Midsummer villages, too. A village I, wouldn't have a mayor. I don't think he's the mayor of Coston. Because he'd be busy then. Wait a minute, though, because when he goes to Brighton later. Then he's the mayor of Costin. I think he's the mayor of Costin in this episode. You guys tell us what you think. I think he is. He's got the regalia. I think he's doing something in Parva because that's where he lives. He certainly has the money. I think he's got to be the mayor of Costin. I don't think a village would have a mayor. I think they have like a village council. Then there's the touch cards. (laughs) Let me tell you about those. Do those actually exist? They do. Or, or is this more George freakiness? In no, this they do. Okay. Okay. So I looked into this PETN explosive. Okay. It was invented in the early 1900s by the Germans and it was used by the Germans in World War I. So why a British regiment would have it? I don't know. It's the circle of life. Is that the explanation yeah. for everything? <laughs> what goes around comes around, basically. Yeah. So now it's the major ingredient in Semtex. So when you think of plastics, yeah. like plastic explosive, the p- explosive that looks like Play-Doh. It's a detonator. It's P-E-T-N is, is what it is. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce the actual name of it because of it's like poly eyed something or other. Yeah. But so George says that it was the explosive used by the shoe bomber. And he's right. Yeah. It was. That's, that's accurate. Um, when Richard Reed tried to blow up, blow up the plane with the explosive in his shoe, it was PETN that he had. It was also used by the underwear bomber. Yes. Who was also unsuccessful at blowing up a plane. Um, but he had it sewn into his undies. Yes. Um, it is fairly stable. Is he called the pants bomber in England? <laughs> the pants bomber. as uh, underwear bomber. But the, here's, here's what I was amazed by. So, you know, nitroglycerin can be used as a medication Yeah, for people with heart arrhythmias. They can take nitroglycerin. They also take PETN. Oh, it's also used for as a medicine for angina, for heart conditions. So weird. They they work by releasing the signaling gas nitric oxide into the body. The medicine that uh, that uses it is pure PETN. Wow. Don't drop those pills. No. Well, no, it's stable. Okay. Um, but there are really tests like this. So if you, if you go through airport security, remember back when we used to be able to fly places? Yeah. Back in the before times? Hey, there were planes? Yeah. Uh, and sometimes they would like swab your the inside of your suitcase with like a little cotton ball thing. Yeah. That's what they were doing. Okay. Is they were testing it for that. So these tests come in a couple of forms. There's the finger tests that George is using. And then there are spray tests. So now wait a minute. Is it not a penis test since 
only men get tested. Yeah. <laughs> George is like. Women explosives. Women nay. don't do that. So what they do. It's the most is, sexist thing <laughs> ever, he ever says. So you touch your fingers to the stuff. It would pick up any residue on your hands. And then later they take the test away. They spray it with some stuff. And if it changes to a certain color, that says that there was explosives um, present. Yeah. And those swabs that they're rubbing your luggage with, that's what they do. They take it away and they spray it. And if it turns hot pink, that means that maybe there's explosives in your underwear. Okay. Yeah. So that's totally accurate. Unlike the 2.2 HG public radio band that Lionel uses for all of his remotes. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't use that to drive remote-controlled stuff. Judy gets a letter. (laughs) Go, Dave, go. And and throws a statue out the window. (laughs) He says, go, Dave, go, when he has sex. (laughs) Why would anybody have sex with him more than once? (laughs) The first time he did that would be the last time he did that. You think? She has two kids by him, so she fell for it twice. Go, Dave, go. And Bella is more screwed up than you think because she's put up with it for 25 years and didn't have to. So everyone converges at the mayor's office and the mayor's office scene is just fantastic. Because, you know, a good wife would say, oh, he's talking to the police. I should probably wait. But she's like, oh, no, this is great. This is the opportunity. I, I need to get dressed up in my best awful outfit. Maybe they'll take him away right then and there. Like, oh, and you're trying to take the land and you're doing this and you're doing that and you're sleeping with it and you've signed everything over to my name so you could get away with it and not pay so much tax. So now it's all mine, mine, mine. So to you. And then she's like, bye. (laughs) And I'm like, you go, Judy. Go, Judy, go. (laughs) And Barnaby and Jones are just like, well, that happened. Interesting. That's a little bit more information than we had before. Go, Dave, go. Gosh, I didn't think that was up your strasse. (laughs) That's so German. Yep. Well, explosives are not a woman thing. So then Johnny gets killed. Okay. Why is the antenna greasy? Barnaby touches it and it's got grease. Oily. There's no reason for it to be oily. It doesn't help. Okay. Johnny's off to talk to the solicitor in the most unlikely death ever. Okay. Because it's not only unlikely because Lionel has set up a World War One machine gun in his yard that is remote controlled. But at some point prior to this scene, Lionel was on a ladder. Yeah. Installing that receiver on the garage door opener. Yeah. And nobody saw him do it. And the gun. Never sh- mind that the very gravel in that driveway would stop him from getting there in his wheelchair. Never mind the fact that the gun tilts up like it, it hits the ground and then it hits the ground closer to Johnny and who could just move. Yeah. And then it hits Johnny like bullets go in straight lines. <laughs> so, so not only did so he the, did he rig it so that when the garage door opens, it triggers the gun to start firing. But there's so there's some kind of mechanism on the gun that is pulling the trigger, but also changing the angle of the gun to aim at him better. Yep. I have a list until of, it jams. I have a list of things that do not work this way in this scene. They're they are abundant. Guns, electronics, killing something, and empathy. Because <laughs> Bella just stands at the Bella window and just goes, stands at the window. What are you doing, John? And doesn't like call the police or anything. What's Johnny doing? <laughs> 
Johnny's got something on his shirt, and then he fell down. Well, go, Johnny, go. <laughs> yeah, so Lionel was out in the dark after, after dark, hauling that big machine gun that took two men to carry it and a ladder so he could scramble up and somehow splice into the receiver on the garage door opener. At this point in time, I realize Martin Chadwick is both families' lawyers. Yes. He is the worst lawyer ever. <laughs> well, he was in Birds of Prey, too. He was? Robert Morgan. Yeah. Okay. I, don't, I don't remember if he plays a lawyer in Birds of Prey, but he's got kind of an egghead. He His is, head's wider at the top than it he is. He takes one piece of, of document from one family and uses it with the other family. Like, yeah. how to get disbarred in one easy step. Exactly. My question is, can he get a wig for court that covers that? <laughs> maybe two wigs maybe you'd have to like duct tape them together he was left wing i'm speaking sexually not politically <laughs> of course so sophie was born four months after bella and johnny got married but johnny had been in australia doing whatever for a year and she was in ireland working for the the department of defense yeah the ministry of defense what was she doing with the mod i don't know in but Ireland. It, but it had to do with lambs and sheep. <laughs> 25 years ago. So who says it? She says it, that she would rather be hung for two lambs as a sheep. Mm -hmm. So what that means is you might as well be punished for a big misdeed as a small one. Right. For example, I might as well be hanged for a sheep as a lamb and I have a third, if I ha and have a third piece of cake. The idea is that. If I'm going to be punished, let yeah. me be punished for something big yeah. that I did. That phrase was first used in 1678. Wow. Uh, Back when you could be hung for stealing a sheep. Alludes to a punishment for stealing sheep in which hanging no matter what the age or size of animal. So if you, if you, stop, if, if you stole a, a baby lamb. Yep. Or if you stole somebody's big like mating ram, you get the same punishment no matter what. Yep. What if it was a small animal? What if it was like a guinea pig? No, it's sheep. Only. Okay, only sheep. Yeah. So no matter what the size of the sheep. Yeah. Okay. You can't be hung for a guinea pig or two hamsters. Which leads to the <laughs> weird book title, Stop Stealing Sheep. Yeah. So. I just have this image of somebody being hung for like stealing a rabbit. No. It's just a rabbit. So Kate hears and then we never see her again. Nope. <laughs> My grandpa was really my dad, and I hate you, and you suck. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm off. Gonna go away in the same clothes I've been wearing for three scenes now. My sister's a social worker. She's not a communist. So now we know that because of the trust, the money doesn't come to Sophie and Kate until Bella is also dead. And yes. the Hammonds don't get the land until Bella's also dead. So yes. now she's the target. Oh, no, we gotta go save Bella, who's too stupid to run sideways. <laughs> Okay. In front of a very slow moving tractor. First of all. Oh no, here it comes. It just made me think of that scene in Monty Python's Holy Grail where the bad guy's coming and they like you know, they look away and then he's closer and he's closer and he's closer. Like Okay, if you just like stepped like five steps to the right or left, you would have been safe. Okay. First of all, a bailer is an incredibly dangerous thing. Oh yeah, of course they are. It is an awesome machine to see 
work. In the or, cartoons, when you get sucked up in a baler, you just end up tied up in the baler. Hey, that's not what happens. No, no, no. Okay. No. And anyone who's ever worked with a baler has told stories about, oh, there was this guy who got caught in the baler and came out in pieces yeah. in the baler. Yeah. It would kill you instantaneously. Because right, it's spinning blades, gathering the hay and shredding it, right? Yeah. And then forming it and wrapping it in twine, tying it and cutting it off, which is amazing that a machine that old can do that. So a baler would kill you instantly. Yeah. So, well, it would get clogged up. Yeah. Which, but you'd be dead. I don't want to clean that up. No. <laughs> Second of all, controls and remote controls and tractors. No. We don't even see Lionel in the recreation recreating this thing. No. Now, I'm sure there are modern tractors that probably have some controls that allow you to like remote start it and stuff. I know they have like satellite driven tractors now, but that one. That was not a modern tractor. <laughs> remote controls like that would take months to build. Well, and there's a piece of twine like tied to the steering wheel and then some part of the engine. Like he's using that to like, I don't know. He's got and, remote controlled twine. And never <laughs> mentioned again and not shown in the reenactment. No. But that scene has the worst music ever. It's bad. I didn't notice. Oh, it is like light and airy. As she's almost being killed by a bailer. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. But Troy, uh, not Troy, Jones and Barnaby save the day. Jones turns. Because she's too stupid to step one direction or the other. What is she doing in the field? What is she? She falls down and she's like, oh no, I can't possibly get up. I How have to un- shuffle on my back and ah, <laughs> like just. Get up, woman. I'm supposed to be talking to some surveyor about the boundaries. Why would she even take that call? She has to because her husband's dead. No, she was in charge. She would be like, I'm sorry, my husband's dead. I'm not going to do this today. I'm going to put on my very expensive, very wrinkly coat and go up and see what's going on. Well, everything's in Kate's horse box. Is that a euphemism that I don't understand? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's what she needs the import for. For horses? Maybe. What are shipping charges on horses? I can't imagine. And then we have the greatest sister fight of all time. Oh my gosh. And Jones is like, sir, there's a situation. (laughs) (laughs) The two sisters go at each other with Jones in the middle. Yeah, he's trying to break it up and they're just fighting around him. I've got a couple of really good shots of that fight. It's awesome. How he doesn't laugh in that. Who knows how many takes it took oh to get that. Oh my gosh. But Barnaby just stands by the window and Bella just sits sits in the chair like... Well, Barnaby looks at the fight and then looks back at yeah. like, oh, Jones has that handled. Yeah, he'll be all right. So then... Then they go to Biddy's. Yes. And and only Barnaby goes in. And when he comes out, he has a MacGuffin. The mysterious shoebox. So it's kind of meta that he calls it a MacGuffin. I thought that's a Hitchcock term, isn't it? It's actually Angus McPhail, who is a screenwriter for Hitchcock, came up with it and Hitchcock used it. Okay. What it is is an object or device in a movie that serves merely as a trigger for the plot. Is that what Rosebud's sled is? Yes. And Maltese Falcon is another one, right? So it's the object that everything is centered around, but it's the object itself really isn't important. Yeah. It can be anything. And so I went down this rabbit hole. Um, Angus McPhail, who deserves the credit other than Hitch. I love Hitch's movies, but he is a problematic individual. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure the credit goes to the proper person, which is 
Angus. He wrote Spellbound, mm-hmm. and he also wrote Dead of Night. Do you oh, remember the yes. other other reference to Dead of Night? No. Yes. What? That's the movie that they watch in uh, uh, Christmas Past. Oh, the scary movie they're watching. That Angus wrote that too. Yep. Oh, yeah. It is kind of meta. I, I the first time I saw this episode, I expected us to never know what was in the box. That he would like lift the lid to show Lionel. Yeah. But we wouldn't see it. And then he would shut it and Lionel would just, he would just confess. Yes. And we would never know what Tom had shown him. Yeah. But we do get to see it. And that's more the MacGuffin these days. Yeah. Like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. And yeah. Like that. So. Judy has been in that What's outfit. In <laughs> Judy's been in that outfit for a couple of days. <laughs> oh boy. You're an evil crook. So Poirot gets all the suspects together. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens here, right? It's totally Poirot. Well, no, he just goes to the Hicks's house and they happen to all be home. Yep. And the he, Hammonds aren't there. He goes through all their al- alibis, right? Oh, they're repairing televisions. That's what he says they're doing. Yeah. That's what uh, Mickey's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, Barnaby centers on Lionel and tells the viewer, really, that Lionel is the killer. So they filmed the epitaph car blowing up scene at least twice because i looked i compared the views Mm -hmm. and in in the reenactment you could clearly see the remote control that you can't see in the first viewing right so and they they usually do that when they end up doing the flashback the reenactment of the crime it's from a different angle we can see more than we could see originally so now we can see what barnaby knows happened right So the reason why Barnaby thinks Lionel could have done it is because Lionel was an engineer in the war yeah. and knew about explosives. Yes. And then became a television repairman. And then he was on Mythbusters. <laughs> he repaired Churchill's TV. Okay. And Tom says, yeah, like remotes. Okay. Churchill did not have a remote control. No, no he did not. The first remote was invented in 1950. Yeah. And it was on a wire. It's on a wire. And they stayed on wires for about 20, 25 years. I live in a time where remotes had wires. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah. The Lionel would not have known about wireless nope. stuff like that. But, you know, yeah, the, the first remote was called Lazy Bones. Yeah. And the second one was called the Flashmatic. The Flashmatic actually used light and it was wireless. That was the first actual wireless yeah, remote. And it was advertised by George Burns. And you, do you remember seeing those commercials? I have the. I, I hope not. No. Because <laughs> you're older than you've been telling me you no, are. No, <laughs> but I have the ad. The yeah. ad is a beautiful piece of. It, it's kind of that 50s futurism sci fi feel to it. They did call it the Flashmatic. Yep. Which. The, could be so many things. Yeah. Like I, Sophie in her trench coat. If, if you, if, <laughs> yes. If you want to go down a rabbit hole, look up remote control ads. And they're a whole interesting situation of uh, like futurism. And there's a whole kind of underlying sexism to them as well. And Because men don't want to get up and yep. change the TV channel. And they used yep. to make their wives do it. And yep. Now they can do it with a remote. Yep. It's all the Jetsons all over again. Judy cries. She does. I put that in my notes too. Because I think she understands. I think they're used to Lionel being um, very with it. And when he admits that he won the war and that he did it for his dad, it's clear that he's not quite in touch with reality. Yep. 
And that's sad. The mayor fixes Tom's roof out of the kindness of his heart. Yeah, he better. Better fix Tom that roof. Tom was pissed. Tom was pissed. Okay, do you want to do best corpse first or horrible movies? Let's do horrible movies, then best corpse, then after the credits. Okay. Horrible movies that I think Mark has seen that feature actors in this episode. Yes. One of the movies that isn't even on my list because I didn't want to have to go into detail about it, but stars uh, Donald Sinden. He doesn't star. Donald Sinden is in it. He plays Henry Hammond in this episode. Just know it's called Rent-A-Dick from 1972. Wow. And it's the first of a series. That's got to have boobs in it. (laughs) It's about... Two competing private eyes. Yeah. But it's called Rent-A-Dick. All one word. Rent-A-Dick. Mm-hmm. I'll put that movie poster in the show notes. No, because I think you'll have to put the other movie poster in. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is another movie that Donald Sinden is in. He played Henry Hammond in the episode. This is a 1974 movie. An Edwardian gentleman hopes to find his long-lost son who vanished while searching for a mysterious Viking community in a volcanic valley somewhere in uncharted and uncharted Arctic regions. The gentleman puts together an expedition to go there, but when they reach their destination, they must escape from Viking descendants who have had a secret community there for years and will do anything to keep their existence a secret. This movie I have not seen. Called The Island at the Top of the World. Oh. And they're, they still look like Vikings. Yeah. Like for... Several hundred years, they've been Vikings. Living as Vikings. Yes. In a volcanic valley in the Arctic. Now, I have to stop you because you lifted your sheet and I saw the picture. Oh, man. I've seen the next movie. (sighs) Ruin it. Sorry. Ruin it. I got that point. Yeah, you got that point. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe if the listeners are playing along to see if they know the next one. Maybe I haven't seen it. You have. 1963. Now, this has George Cole in it, who played Lionel Hicks, the killer. Okay. In 18th century England, the mysterious masked writer known as the Scarecrow leads a rebel band to save the town of Romney Marsh from King George III's oppression and naval press gangs. Yeah. It's a Walt Disney movie. It's a Walt Disney. Starring Patrick McEwen. Yeah. I've definitely seen that movie. But what's it called? Uh not the scarecrow rides again no i saw this movie on the magical world of walt disney i can't believe this is a disney movie he is terrifying yeah it's Um, called dr sin s-y-n that's right dr sin yep and so this this guy who's like a doctor or a a vicar or something during day is like a rebel at night and he goes around riding his horse dressed as a scarecrow. It's like Batman. And he's terrifying. He's absolutely terrifying. And his sidekicks wear scarecrow masks too. They're yep. so scary. They're the good guys and they are so scary. I absolutely. It's, there's a comic. I absolutely remember that movie. It's, I can't believe it's a Disney movie. I can't believe he's so scary. Okay. And then so, he's a good guy. So Disney plus you have two movies now that you need on you. Okay. They need. Dr. Sin. And Something Wicked This Way Comes. And Something Wicked This Way Comes. Listen up, Disney Plus. This is the perfect month to have both those movies. Yes. Yes. Neither of them are on Disney Plus. Yeah. He's very disappointed, weren't you? Yes. All right. Yeah, I definitely saw that. On Sunday nights, they would show one part of a movie one week and the next part of the movie the next week on Wonderful World of Disney. And I watched Dr. Sin. Oh, I remember Alias the Scarecrow. He looked really cool. I remember as a little, little kid, I may have watched that in black and white. It was so And you probably had no idea what he was actually 
fighting against. No. Press gangs. I mean, really? Patrick McGowan. Who's that? <laughs> you didn't know back then. Yeah. All right. Best corpse. <laughs> nice corpse. Uh, it has to be. Has to be. Henry Hammond with Bella on top of him. I think it's him, but in the mechanized wheelchair. He's he's a dead guy driving. He's just fantastic. Now, I'll give Johnny credit for dying dramatically. Yeah. But not being a corpse dramatic. No. All right. After the credits. Bella gets everything. Yes, she does. (laughs) Yes, because Bella wasn't killed. She owns the house, Mm -hmm. has all the money, has no restrictions on her at all, has no husband. She can start developing that 30 acres anytime she wants, if she wants to. Uh, Sophie and Will can get married. Yep. Danny goes to jail. Yep. Judy just dances into the sunset. Yep. I think maybe Judy and uh, Bella become friends. I have a little note about that. They should. Yep. And maybe Bella can help Judy learn to dress. I hope that (laughs) Kate and Caroline have a wonderful time together. I do too. So, well, and then there's Dave, but we'll see more of Dave. See, I think Dave should go to jail, but he doesn't. We know he doesn't, right? Because he's still mayor. What crime has he committed? Well, the lawyer has committed a crime. Yeah, absolutely. That lawyer needs to go to jail right now. Well, I think Dave should be in some trouble for his business dealings. He's putting things in his wife's name to keep him off the books. So why does Danny go to jail? Because he's got poop pants? Oh, no. I'm sorry. Did I say Danny? I meant Dave. Okay. Dave should go to jail. Yeah. No, Danny should just get some new jeans. I have Danny eventually screws up and goes to jail. Because <laughs> it's going to happen. Maybe Danny will run his dad's business for a little while. And Maybe. End up going to jail. Yeah. Biddy certain- is probably perfectly happy in her little cottage in the woods. Yep. He, and and Though I, sad over Lionel. You know what? I think Biddy knew what Lionel was doing. I think so, too. I think she was. I don't think she helped, but I think she knew. I think so. And Mickey has a good old time. Yeah. I know. I know that Mickey is problematic, but he also helps Lionel home. Like he's he's that kind of. He's probably the kindest to Lionel. Yeah. I mean, he's not perfect, but he's not a criminal. No. So you can find Midsummer Maniacs on Twitter and Instagram and email. You can also find us on Facebook groups for Midsummer and Acorn and the subreddit where we also find other maniacs. And if you know anybody who happens to own a pair of those Barracuda jeans, I want to see a picture. Or Mare's regalia. Yeah. (laughs) I wonder. Actually, put them both on. That would be really interesting. So the the Mare's regalia gets passed down. Mm -hmm. It must get passed down. Yeah. Next episode, 61, season 11, episode two, Blood Wedding. Is there a greater crossover episode of all time? I don't know. Maybe when Jones comes back with the new Barnaby. You know, the thing is, is you just don't want to get married in midsummer. No. Right? You get married in midsummer, you're asking for it. You're just asking for it. It may be the single best entrance of a character in a guest starring spot ever. We shall see. All right, until next time. Bye, maniacs. Bye, maniacs. Because 
Because I had a teacher who later became mayor, and I remember seeing him in his regalia. <laughs> I just see him wearing it to school. No, well, he, we got to really listen to him now. He's yeah. mayor teacher dude. He's mayor, got his necklace on. <laughs> mayor teacher dude. <laughs> He's got the mace. Look out. 